I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's mentally Welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly podcast about all things mental health. We've just spoken to Alexander Leon about all things LGBT issues and mental health. Yvette and I were talking about the emotional impact of coming out, how LGBTQ mental health issues are often ignored, and also things like chemsex, which neither of us are experiencing or know much about. So it's best to hear it straight from Alex. So Alex, thank you so much for coming on Mentally Yours. You're very welcome. I'm very happy to be here. So today we're going to be chatting about um, LGBT stuff and mental health. Mm. Um, I guess the first thing I'd like to address is, do you think it's important for us to think about LGBT mental health as its own section? There's always a risk when you're trying to pit sections of society against each other and try and think, okay, which section of society would be most worthy or um, would make the most out of mental health services. Um, But I think there, you know, there's common knowledge that most minority communities are affected disproportionately um, by mental health issues or mental illness. Um, so in that case, I would say I think it is something that should be uh, considered separately. You know, as someone who is is both a part of the LGBT community and is a person of colour, you know, I fit two kind of minority, uh, I guess, labels. Um, and I was thinking about, did I feel, uh, did I have more difficulty coming to terms with my brownness than I do with my gayness? And it's a very difficult question to ask yourself, right? You know, which parts of my identity did I have the, the most difficulty um, coming to terms with. And one of the things that I realized is that being brown or, be, you know, being a brown person or being a black person, um, it's very, very likely that people around you are going to be 
similar looking to you, right? You got, you're born into a family, in my case, a, a mixed race, so born into a family with a white mum and a black dad. I had people around me who looked similar to me and I could therefore kind of uh, relate to those people. Being LGBT is not necessarily the same thing. You know, it's not super uncommon, but it's, it's fairly uncommon for uh, people to have role models within their immediate family who would be you know gay or trans um so it's a much more lonely space to be and it's much more difficult uh, and it's also not a visual thing necessarily you know if you're if you're a woman for example you know you you tend to have women role models in your life if you're a black person you tend to have black role models in your life um and you know that those people are black you know that they're women because you can see them um but it's not necessarily the same case when it comes to lgbt people and therefore i think it's a much more lonely experience it can be much more difficult uh and therefore i think it should be uh treated as something as something separate because it's a different experience what have been your own experiences in terms of mental health issues god where do you want to start uh, <laughs> um i think i think in terms of my mental health um I was diagnosed with depression at the age of 19. This was in the closet pre-coming out. And I had a very difficult time coming to terms with my sexuality. Um, it's something that I'd known for a very long time. You know, I'd known from, from the age of probably five or six, there was at least something different about me. I have very vivid and, and, and quite sad memories of walking around the playground, realizing that I didn't want to play with the girls because I didn't seem right. That didn't seem what's, like what society was telling me I should be doing. But I didn't want to run, run around with the boys as well. So I think, those issues stemmed into a lot of internalized shame about kind of my place within the playground, which turned into my place within high school, which turned into my place within the world. Um, and a lot of those internalized feelings uh, manifested themselves as depression. Um, now, the culmination of my my personal experience with with uh, with mental illness was a suicide attempt at 19. And that was the, uh, I guess, the event which led to uh, seeking help. Um, obviously, that was something which, you know, you can't hide. My parents found out about that. Um, and so we started to look into into ways of, of responding and ways of looking into um, how best we could um, find ways to manage it. Now, at uh, in my mid-20s, you know, I have much better strategies towards managing those kinds of things, and I'm much more stable. Uh, a lot of that is helped by having come out of the closet. You know, uh, the closet is an incredibly toxic place. It's a place in which you're constantly checking uh, Every single thing that you do, you're constantly wondering whether you're coming across as something that you don't want to be. I don't necessarily think that my experience is unique, actually. If I think about my, my group of friends, many, many of whom are LGBT, they would echo similar sentiments, perhaps not using the same words and perhaps not um, using the same labels in terms of their struggles with mental illness. A lot of them would, would have dealt with anxiety, for example. But it's incredibly common within, within our community. Hence, I were talking about it today, right? It's very, it's everywhere. How soon after you kind of came out about your mental health issues mm. were you coming out as gay? It still took me a couple of years. Mm. Yeah, so nineteen was when I was when I attempted suicide. Twenty one was when I came out. So it still took me a couple of years, and actually, it took me a long time to realize that the depression, even though I was suppressing a part of myself which is very inherent, which is my sexuality, it took a long time for me to realize that that was probably the source of of, of my depression, of my depressive illness. Um, and that's through a couple of years of, of therapy and also kind of traveling. I was very privileged to have saved a lot of money um, as, a, as an adolescent and went traveling and kind of saw different people in different parts of the world and started to very, very slowly realize that actually, you know, there was nothing to be ashamed about when it came to my sexuality. So do you think therapy also kind of helped you get to that point where you were comfortable with your sexuality? Actually, no. 
in that in that instance, no. Mm. I think it, uh, it it certainly it doesn't feel like it helped. Looking back in retrospect, perhaps it did. Mm. Um, I was in Australia, so it's before I lived in London, and I was relying on uh, the mental health services provided by the government, which are very similar to what the NHS offers here in the UK. Um, and one of the difficulties that I had was that my therapist, as lovely and as capable as she was, had difficulties when it came to, uh, or perhaps personal views, which leaked into her. Uh, or coloured the kind of conversations we were having around sexuality, which were very vague. I think she probably knew what was going on, but I don't know that she necessarily felt that she had the professional capacity to help me. I think that I was very lucky just in living life and in growing older and maturing that it was something that I finally came to terms with. Post coming out, I've had a lot of therapy, and that's been absolutely wonderful. You know, picking apart some of the um, stories that we tell ourselves as LGBT people about ourselves. You know, a lot of my friends... Uh, and myself included, of course, have real difficulty when it comes to having, you know, having a, a self-image which is buoyant and which is resilient. We are people who, by writ of something that we can't control, um, have been told that every aspect of our being is in some way wrong. You know, gay people are told from a very, very young age. You know, I have a actually have a, a personal anecdote which I think is really telling. When I was five years old. Um, my kindergarten teacher pulled my parents aside and said to them, you know, Alex is a very sensitive young boy. He's too sensitive and you need to look into that. That needs to change, right? I thought, how interesting, looking back on that in retrospect, that that's something that we would push down in our children and say, you know, uh, a young boy can't be sensitive because it's a sign of weakness. It actually comes into a, long, uh, a broader conversation about masculinity, yeah. right? It's not just about sexuality. Mm. Um, the expectations placed on men. Gay men are not exempt when it comes to the expectations that we place on men within our society. You know, one of the statistics that I was looking at the other day, um, women are disproportionately likely to suffer from mental illness, but much more men kill themselves. You know, much more men commit suicide, not just attempt, but actually commit suicide. Uh, You know, this isn't necessarily based in evidence or fact, but my feeling is that that's because men aren't given the strategies to be able to deal with their feelings at a young age it's something which we're told to suppress it's something which we're told to push away you know boys don't cry you know it's this kind of idea about how men are supposed to be in our society and it's something which uh which affects gay men just as much as it affects any other man any other type of man um and i think it's probably a big uh, contributor towards mental health problems in our community at least when it comes to men i can't think of the exact statistics but women are definitely more likely to actually seek help because i think they're able to talk about it and there's not that same sense of shame of you're not allowed to talk about how you feel Mm. i see a real remarkable difference in terms of when i speak to my my friends in the lgbt community who are men it's much trickier for us to broach these kinds of ideas it's not something which is considered kosher and you know these are men who some of whom are very effeminate some of whom are very you know proud of who they are but when it comes to mental health that stigma is not yet gone when it comes to my my queer friends who are women that dialogue is is opening up more and more and more and it's something which uh I find at least much easier to talk to uh, women about. uh, And I get that same response back. So I think it's, there's something there that's beyond sexuality and it's beyond gender identity. And it's about the, the way in which we tell uh, uh, people from a very young age, we tell our children how they should act based on their gender. Something about that is, is fundamentally wrong and worrying, I would say. Do you think there's pressure on gay men particularly to maybe not be as open about their mental health Society now is very sort of used to the idea of, you know, we're here, we're queer, get used to it mm. and then, you know, be very proud and be mm. very loud. But do you think as an aside to that, it's it's maybe hard if you are struggling to then be open about that? I think a lot of people 
you know, not speaking on behalf of the the entire community because, of course, we're talking about trans people as well and gender identity is a completely different issue when it comes to this. But talking on behalf of gay men, I think most of the mental health struggles that affect gay men come sort of before coming out of the closet, right? It's this it's this idea of trying to figure out who you are and trying to accept who you are. Um, and so a lot of the emotions, a lot of the negative feelings that you have towards yourself develop in that part of your experience. And then co- after coming out, you're sort of trying to, peel back you know what's you know why why am i thinking these things about myself why am i so low all the time why am i pushing myself down why am i you know why am i suffering from imposter syndrome all the time the only thing that unites all gay men is same-sex attraction right so when it comes to whether a gay man is trying to be out and proud you know that doesn't necessarily that isn't something not, not every single gay man would identify with what I would say is that coming back to our previous point, I think it might it, it can be more difficult for men in general um, to talk about these things. Um, men in our society often are seen as people that need to uphold uh, that the home, or you know, I mean, these concepts are kind of I think slowly falling apart and starting to kind of uh, transform. But men are expected to be powerful, uncompromising, stoic stubborn, unemotional, you know, these are the things that lead you to not wanting to open up and be frail. A lot of people I've spoken to say they feel like they're made into spokespeople oh, for whatever yeah. gro- group they are. So that makes them cautious about sharing the slightly less positive things about their life. Mm. So, for example, if you're a bisexual woman, you might be like, I'll be careful about talking about my dating history because I don't want to live up to the stereotype of bisexual women I date see. a lot. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you've experienced that as well. Like you're cautious of sharing kind of mental health issues because you don't want maybe more restricted people to think all gay men have mental health issues or mm. all gay men are like this. Mm. It's a really interesting perspective. It's not one that I hold myself. And mm. I think the reason that is is because I represent a minority within a minority. So I think it's really important um, that we do have spokespeople. And I'm yeah. not sure that I see many people many gay men of color talking about their mental health and it's something which uh disproportionately affects us right so i can see that sentiment but Mm -hmm. it's not one that i share i think your point is a really valid one it's really difficult not everyone wants to be a spokesperson not everyone should be a spokesperson right but often you are seen as you know in a group of straight people i'm seen as a person who has to know every single fact about every single you know gay or lgbt um you know type thing in the world and you know i'm one of the four letters in that acronym and that acronym can go on forever if you wanted to um so it is difficult one of the things that i always i always say and one of the things that i really try and live by is supporting the other people in your community if you don't want to be a spokesperson you absolutely don't have to be but make sure that you're supporting the people in your community who are doing that because it's not easy being a spokesperson for these things it leads to abuse it can lead to hate it can lead to you know when i wrote my article last year i got so much hate on twitter and so much hate online luckily i was feeling resilient enough at the time to be able to to withstand it so you know it's not necessarily um easy to be a spokesperson support the people that are that are fighting the fight because they're putting themselves out on a limb. It kind of is surprising to me that you would get that level of abuse because it's a good article, but it didn't seem massively controversial to me in terms yeah, of the things I'm, that you were saying. It's mm. kind um, of maddening that <clears throat> even... Because when did you write it? 2017? Right? Yeah, it was, it was mid last year. Yeah, yeah mm. like I'm appalled that that's still an area that would get that much hate. But even I find that. If I write something that's even remotely kind of pro-gay, 
Mm. I'll I'll get abuse from trolls on Twitter, mm. and you kind of think, my God. I think we forget as well that we live in an incredibly tolerant metropolis that is London, yeah. which is you know very very unlike most other cities in the world, and that you know when you publish something online, it's for everyone to see, not just the, the lovely tolerant people who are going to champion you. Mm. But I totally agree. I mean, in a way, I kind of. Um, uh, there was actually some really healthy, there was some horrible criticism of the writing, but there was some really healthy criticism of the writing, one of which was, um, you know, is it, um, and I think you mentioned this previously as well, you know, is it risky to talk about mental health problems in the LGBT community when there are people who want to twist that to being gay or being trans being a mental health issue? And it's a really valid point. I mean, it's weirdly, you know, having seen that criticism of the article, one of the things that I, it was actually something that I'd never considered before because at least in my world, that's a very antiquated way of looking at at your sexuality or your gender identity. But, you know, in rural communities, in religious communities, you know, outside of the UK, you know, in my professional life, I work for Kaleidoscope Trust, which is a, which is a global human rights organization for LGBT people. Um, you know, if you look outside of the UK, I mean, there are, there are parts of, of the world where same-sex activity is criminalized and therefore you're going to be sent to prison for expressing your sexuality or your gender identity. We forget that that, that these are realities of the world. <laughs> but that's the, yeah. th- that's the thing, though. I mean, it's it's kind of a form of online bullying, isn't it? Yeah. And I suppose that's the next thing I'd like us to talk about, yeah. kind of the effect that bullying can have on people generally. Mm. Because um, there is, as you say, a disproportionate amount of LGBT people um, who go through depression and try to take their own lives. Mm. Do you think bullying is a, a huge factor for that? I think homophobic bullying and biophobic and transphobic bullying are a massive part of that because, it, you know, the, the topics that bullies choose against the, their victims are topics that they get from society. You know, a, a child is a child. They're very impressionable. Um, they're not picking up on something because they think inherently that it's wrong. They're picking up on that because they heard their dad say the word faggot the other day or they heard, you know, someone else being disparaging about women or about Muslim people. Um, so I think um, the kinds of bullying that are, that, that are faced by our children reflect the prejudices that we have in society. Homophobic bullying, I think, for me, was an enormous... Um, uh, contributed to my, um, my my struggles with mental illness massively. You know, I, I you know I, I, I used an analogy before about about being five and walking around the playground and knowing that I didn't fit in. You know, there was an inherent understanding that I didn't fit in, but I was also constantly reminded of the fact that I didn't fit in. You know, it wasn't something that I was kind of coming to terms with myself. People were constantly making the point that you know, oh, he's hanging out with the girls, or always being effeminate. And as that tra- as I transitioned from from primary school to to high school and started going through adolescence, which is a difficult time anyway for anyone as I'm sure we all agree you know um things that became kind of whispers turned into threats which turned into violence when you're a child these these are the messages that you're taking home and these are the things that you kind of internalize and the Mm -hmm. things that you start to you know you start to take the horrible words and the actions that are said to you and you start to internalize them and you start to say them to yourself and that's a very very difficult thing to extricate yourself from that's what a lot of myself and a lot of my friends are going through now when we're going through therapy is is trying to unpick a lot of those thoughts which we've that we actually hold very close to our hearts because they, they were what was told to us repeatedly as children I, I you know i put my hands up and say that i still suffer from some of the some of the throwbacks of that you know one of the things that a lot of gay men struggle with um and i think this is kind of relevant to other parts of the community as well is something that we call femphobia so it's being you know disparaging or horrible towards gay men who present themselves as effeminate or who are effeminate naturally you know um there's a lot of that within our community and that comes down to internalized homophobia which has been given to us by 
childhood bullies and also sometimes you know parents and religious leaders this isn't just something which is restricted to schools bullying can be outside of a school environment as well do you have any thoughts on how we can tackle it there's some organizations in this country that do really brilliant stuff some of which i'm involved in so um diversity role models goes into schools and talks about homophobic and biphobic and transphobic language and i've had some amazing experiences with them i had an experience in east london uh, at the end of last year where after one of the sessions we we're talking about you know why is it damaging to to use this word or that word or whatever kind of uh, word it was and uh, after one of the sessions we we're dealing with 11 to 15 year olds a very impressionable um group of uh, age group um one of the kids came up to me and said, you know, I'm, I'm part of the, I think I'm part of the LGBT community and, and, you know, thank you very much. Oh, God, it's hard for me to even get through without crying because honestly, it was so affecting for me. Thank you very much for your presentation, which kind of my heart went, <laughs> um, but what do I do? And she started to cry. She said, what do I do? I don't, I don't know who to tell and I don't know what to do. And, um, although, you know, and obviously me and the facilitator that I was with gave her some good advice and sent her on her way and checked on her later on, um, but the fact that that conversation can be had in the first place, to me, is miles and miles and miles ahead of my experience of high school and my experience of school, which was actually not that long ago, really, comparatively, you know, 10-ish, 10, 15 years ago. I think ensuring that there's visibility, so ensuring that we have people coming into the schools or, whether, or actually, you know, teachers and, and the administration of a school um, proudly wearing their labels of being gay or bisexual or lesbian or trans or, or any of, of, of the wonderful... Um, labels that exist within our community is one thing. I think um, sex education, which is inclusive of same-sex practices, would be a really great step forward. It's weird that it's not weird, isn't it? Yeah. It is weird that it's not. And it also leads to problems down the line. I mean, you have what, what that leads to is really young, impressionable um, LGB people who go into sometimes um, quite um, predatory and difficult environments with very little understanding about their sexual health and very little understanding about how you know, how they're supposed to have sex, what's expected of them, what's not expected of them, and what they do and don't feel comfortable doing. And, you know, a lot of young heterosexual people have the privilege of doing that at a younger age, perhaps, you know, with a, with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Um, but, you know, a lot of us don't. A lot of us go into Soho on a crazy night out and, you know, get drunk. And then, you know, it, 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 leads, to, it leads to bad health, health outcomes overall because it leads to bad sexual health outcomes, but also leads to bad mental health outcomes. If your ideas around sex are based around environments where you have high levels of alcohol consumption and drug consumption, you know, perhaps they're not going to be the most healthy. So this is goodbye from mentally Thanks so much to Alexander for talking to us today. It's been really informative. If you've struggled with any of the issues we've discussed today, please contact the Samaritans on 116-123 or go to their website at samaritans.org. If you've liked what you've heard, go give us a review on iTunes or give us a follow on Twitter at Mentally Yours, spelled mentally Y-R-S. If you'd like to chat more things about mental health, you can come to our Facebook group as well, which is just Mentally Yours. See you next week. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.